Love Talk Radio. Tell somebody, I don't care what the devil told you. God made it fail. You don't hear me. Tell somebody, God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail. He made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail. He made it fail. Everything that the devil tried, God made it Y'all not happy. I say y'all not happy. God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything the devil tried. God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail. He made it fail. Everything that the devil tried. God made it fail. Oh, you got to just, I said, you got to let the floor have it now. I say, you got to let the floor have it. I said, God made it fail. I said, God made it fail. I said, hey. that you need to prophesy to tonight in this room. Find you somebody to tell them, God made it fail. God made it fail. Everything the devil tried, God made it fail. God made it fail. God made it fail, he made it fail, everything that the devil tried, God made it fail. You've got to believe it, sir. I need ten more dancers. I said I need ten more dancers, that's all. If I had ten more dancers, we'd shift this. I said, if I had 10 more dancers, we'll shift this room. I said, if we had 10 more dancers. One more time. God made it fail. God made it fail. 
everything that the devil tries. 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 Everything. Barbara Pittman, 
of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today is July the 28th, 2022. Oh, this month ran out of here. It says, if it took feet and began to run. Yeah, we are almost into August, and so we're grateful unto Almighty God for bringing us up until this present time. Yeah, he woke us up this morning and started us on our way. And so we're thankful. So we're going for prayer. And uh, after prayer, we're going to scripture reading. And I have quite a few testimonies I want to share this morning. And so I'll be sharing testimony after testimony with you today. And uh, we thank God. We usually call it Testimony Friday. But today is Thursday, and uh, we are sharing different people testimony of the things they've gone through and how God brought them out. I have a young man, and he testified of psychedelic <laughs> drugs. And uh, he told some things, and at first when I was here, I said, like, oh, wait a minute. But then as I listened on, I could truly understand. God have all power. He loves us in spite of. I don't care what we go through. I don't care what we do to ourselves. We can self-medicate. We can do anything we want. God yet loves us. And he yet wants us to come to him. Because when we come, he will in no wise cast us out. We just have to turn it over to Jesus and stop worrying about it. Turn it over to the Lord and let him work it out for you today. Oh, yeah, we're thankful. We're thankful. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for another Thursday morning. Thank you, Lord, for coming to another week ending. We thank you for bringing us up until this present time. You watched over us as we slumbered and slept last night. Father, you brought us all the way every day, Monday through Thursday. You woke us up. We're grateful unto you this morning. And Father, we appreciate you. But there's none like you. None that love us in the way that you love us. None that cares us in the way that you care. None that hear and answer our prayers the way that you answer. And we thank you this morning. We give it all to you. Whatever is coming our way, whatever has come our way, God, whatever we're going through, we yet give it to you. For, Father, our trials come to make us strong. And whatever we're going through, it's our trial. Strengthen us in our trial that, God, we will endure the trial and get through it in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and praise this morning for all you've done already, for what you're doing right now, Father, and what you're going to do. Great and mighty things for your people. We come this morning. Father, I believe we're calling every listener. And I touch and agree with them today that, Father, you would bless their families, bless their friends, near and far, bless their house, oh God. Send your spirit through, oh Lord, to clean out what shouldn't be there, take out what shouldn't be there. And Lord, renew the house with your spirit, with your love, with the things that are of you. And Father, we thank you this morning. We come this morning asking, Father, that you would heal the sick that's among us here today. Lord, many don't feel well. Many are going through it in their bodies. But, Lord, you made these bodies. You know all about them. You're the God who performs surgery without a knife. And, Lord, we come boldly to you this morning as your children, 
as your people asking for healing today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, you sent your word and it healed you. Send your word today to heal us. In the name of Jesus, open us up to you. Open us up to the Holy Spirit. And God, not only we hear, but we will obey you. Or give us your spirit today like never before. In the name of Jesus. And help us to remember to walk in your spirit. That we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight today. Help us to believe you when all else fails. For your almighty God that have all power. Father, there's no higher power. We love you this morning, Jehovah God. Hallelujah. We love you and we thank you. Hallelujah. Can't thank you enough. Father, if we had 10,000 tongues this morning and we began to praise you with everyone, it wouldn't be enough. So, Father, we ask that you would receive our offering of thanksgiving this morning, our offering of love for you. Hallelujah. Our offering of obedience unto you today. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And, Father, we come this morning and we ask that you would look upon each of us. And, Lord, fix it for us today. Whatever this situation may be, so much is going on. And, Lord, we know that there are still diseases in the land. There's still COVID in the land. They're talking about a thing called monkeypox. God, there are still STDs in the land. Help us all today, Lord, to walk up right before you. Loose your protecting angels to stand watch, to shield and protect us. Keep us all from all hurt, harm, or danger. Hallelujah. And, Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your love that would do this for us. We thank you for your power that would do this for us. Hallelujah. And, Father, we ask this morning that you give us power, love, and a sound mind today to walk in you. Let us resist anything that's not of you. Lord, if we've taken tools from the world, let us give the world back their tools. And pick up our cross and follow you in the name of Jesus. Bless this morning as only you can do. Remember those that are incarcerated today and their families. Strengthen and bless. Work miracles, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Have mercy on the brethren there, God. It can be taxing to be locked up. But Lord, we know you're able to deliver. And not just deliver them free, freely. In the natural, but God, you are able to deliver them freely in their minds, in their hearts, for whom the Son set free is free indeed, or do it for your glory. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Father, bless widowers and bereaved families, those that are in every branch of the military, God, the administration of our military this morning. Strengthen, O oh God, today. Give them the wisdom and knowledge of what to do to keep us all safe, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. Or oh, bless intercessory prayer people everywhere. Praying for others in the name of Jesus. Bless your preachers this morning everywhere. Preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. Continue to lose your protecting angels to stand watch. To shield and protect Israel. Prosper Jerusalem this morning in the name of Jesus. Keep them safe, O oh God. From all hurt, harm, or danger, in the name of your son, Jesus, we ask. Bless all our brothers and sisters overseas today. Lord, you know what they stand in the need of. 
your almighty God who supply needs according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Do it for these, your people. And Father, we ask that you will lose your protected angels, God, to protect those that have to hide, to share the goodness of you, to pray, Lord, to study your word and teach others your word. Loose this morning our protection like never before in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We ask that you would bless this segment of Jesus in the morning. Have your way here today. Move by your spirit, Lord. Let someone hear something that they've been struggling with and the answer come here this morning unto them. And Lord, they can better stand a little bit stronger before you. For after standing, Lord, we want to stand more because we're standing on your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we ask that you will continue to bless America and the leadership. Have mercy on the leadership, oh God. Give them wisdom and knowledge to know that it's your word that will save this country. It's you that will save this country. It's your spirit that needs to be loosed in the land and not put on lockdown. That we can't even mention your name on the job, at school, and different places. They don't want us to talk about the goodness of you. But, Father, we ask this morning that you would have mercy upon them and that you would fix their hearts and regulate their mind, our leadership of the United States of America, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, put it back the way it should be. Only you can do this. We ask it all this morning in the name of Jesus. We give you glory. We give you the honor, and Father, we give you the praise, hallelujah, for, for you are doing it for us. You're yet keeping us. Things have gotten bad, but God, you're yet keeping us, and you're not keeping us against our will. But Father, we want to be kept by you. We ask it all again in Jesus' name, amen, and hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough. You've done so much for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All oh, fix us today, Lord. Fix us today. Ah, uh, that your will would be done in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're grateful unto him this morning. For there's none like him. We can search all over everywhere. We will not find anybody. Nobody greater. Hallelujah. Nobody greater than him. Thank you, Jesus. Our scripture reading this morning is going to be Romans chapter 8, and we are going to look at verse 1 and uh, read down a little bit. So if you won't need a little time to get your Bible, or you may have it by your bed if you're still in bed, or you're sitting up having your morning coffee, you may have your Bible near. So if you'd like to, go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to begin at verse 1. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. But if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject of vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. For hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things, if God be for us? can be against us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? 
It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Romans 8, oh yeah, that's a powerful word there. In all of it, the whole chapter 8 of Romans is a powerful word. And if we take more heed to this than anything else, we pay close attention, we're going to walk in the spirit of God. We're going to bury this flesh. We're going to let this flesh die. We're going to get rid of this flesh and become a more spiritual people because we serve in a spiritual God. God is a spirit. And the scriptures say, they that worship him must Worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. To walk with God daily. To remember him daily. Your flesh may like this and your flesh may like that, but it's not of God. So we kill the flesh. We let the flesh die so that the spirit of God can live in us. This way we walk around with spiritual things on our minds. We remember somebody needs prayer. I may not have a ministry, but I remember the sick need to be prayed for. I remember the brothers and sisters overseas need to be prayed for. The leadership of your country need to be prayed for. The school systems all over need to be prayed Children, the prayer list is endless. The scripture said man ought to always pray and not faint. And see, if we don't keep a prayer line to God, we don't keep communication with him, we'll faint. After a while, it'll get uncomfortable. And we'll forget all about prayer. And we just walk in every day and whatever we feel and whatever we think and whatever we like. And even when trouble comes many times, we won't remember God. We'll call everybody else but God. We're seeking man more than God. The only way you're going to remember God is you got to make him real in your life. Yeah, make him real. Not when you need something, but before you need anything. Because we're not always asking for stuff. Sometimes we just want to praise him. Sometimes we just want to thank him. Sometimes we just want to worship him. He's worthy this morning. Hallelujah. And I'm grateful unto him today. Oh, he made all things possible for me. Things that were impossible. God made it possible. Yeah. And I learned and I'm learning. Without him, I can do nothing. Hallelujah. We're going to one more request of the morning and we're coming back with our first testimony. Amen. 
the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Jenny Weaver, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. My first question, you know, before we dig into this, the meat of this interview, you were very heavily involved in witchcraft at one point in your life. Just really quickly, for people who don't know your testimony, who don't know your story, how did you get involved in witchcraft? Yeah, around the age of 13, I was uh, starting to get depressed. I was being bullied at school. And even though I was in a Christian home, um, my parents did the best that they could, but they were heavily on the side of just abuse. And so when you were in trouble, you were you were beat. And so I believe the enemy used that to come against my self-worth, who I thought I was. And I was so depressed. I just thought if I would die, life would be better for everybody else. And so during that time, I was connected with some girls. And I remember going to a sleepover, and they watched a movie called The Craft. And this movie came out uh, around 1996. And it was about four witches who were in high school. And these witches were bullied and picked on, and their lives were kind of messed up, and they used witchcraft to control situations around them and to get what they wanted. I watched the movie, and I thought, I want that. Well, of course, in the movie, they went too far anyway, and the witchcraft had turned against them, and the girls were desperate to get out of it. But during that point, I didn't even see that ending. I just thought, oh, I won't go that far. I'm just going to be innocent in it. And I began to study the religion of Wiccan and study um, different spells and incantations and new age practices and occult practices that I was doing in a Christian home that nobody knew I was doing. And so what started off as something innocent where I'm just connecting with energy and the universe and vibes and all these innocent things that we see took me down a path of just dark, desperation. Um, I, I felt at one point that I was living in like a haunted house because I was hearing scratches on the wall right next to me. I would feel brushed by me and be terrified that somebody is here in the room with me, someone watching me. I always felt like I was being watched. When I would wash my face for the day, it was one of the most terrifying things that I did. When I took a shower and I had to close my eyes, I was so terrified. If I had to get up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, I would run because I thought something's going to grab my feet. I went with an adult at this point, and it took me far into drugs. Um, I ended up being homeless and on drugs, in and out of jails and all kinds of things. For nine years of my life, I was really in a dark place. And one day God did set you free, Jenny, and we're so, so grateful that you've renounced that and you are a minister of the gospel awesome worship leader. I love your testimony, and 700 Club covers your story quite a bit, and so we're so grateful for that. But, you know, Jenny, it's so troubling to see that witchcraft and the occult uh, is really on the rise. I mean, we're seeing it in stores. We're seeing clothing promoting, hey, I'm a good witch, or I'm a bad witch, you know. Right. Uh, We're seeing uh, even witches having workshops and retreats and all these things, why do you think this has become so much more mainstream, so much more acceptable? I think media has done a a good job 
of pushing something to the point where it is now normalized when back in the day something like that for you and I it would be shocking to see and now because we have shows as early as you know daycare age promoting witchcraft and sorcery and it's okay boys and girls say these spell words with us and it's so ABC preschool witchcraft that it gets into the hearts and the minds of people, including the people in church and people who are, are not really connected with the Lord and don't understand, they're easily deceived. And the Bible talks about even the very elect will be deceived. And so people are going to a whole nother source. That's what they're, they're wanting. They want a healing crystal. Because they don't understand that Jesus is the healer. And there's no other source that you can go to except through Jesus. And so I'm seeing a rise of this. I'm seeing it become very trending on TikTok and things like that. And there's a whole generation of people who I feel like are being rocked to sleep by the enemy. And it's just really time for the church, like what you're doing during this interview, to sound the alarm and say, no, we need to wake up and we need to say, this is not right. And it's not for my home. It's not for my kids. And, you know, it's, I believe that a lot of young girls are being targeted because there's this one, apparently she's an influencer on Instagram. Her name is, I think, Brie Luna or something like that. And she yeah. partnered with Smashbox, the cosmetic yes. company, and they created a whole cosmetic line using, I think, inspired by crystals. Right. Yeah. They're really... pushing the envelope. They want to yeah. see everything push the envelope. What's trendy what's really shocking what's going to get the attention of people you know they recreated that movie the craft Mm. in 2020 really they recreated the movie and they invited real witches on the set and they had the witches before they would do a scene to cast spells and to invite the actresses to come into this circle with them while they were releasing spell words over the viewers and over the the scene and oh they, they broadcast it and wrote articles like isn't this amazing we're getting real and raw with these real witches and people are playing it in their homes and it's entertainment and you know charlene i always say the first part of entertainment is enter enter so be careful what entering your home Absolutely. i didn't have that in my home but it is definitely a shock factor that our generation is really gravitating towards that is so shocking. I didn't know that. We were certainly going to make sure that people are aware of that. I understand, Jenny, that a lot of people are burning <clears throat> sage. What's your take on, on Christians even burning sage, and what's that supposed to do? Burning sage is something that I did while I was practicing witchcraft. And when I got into a home with another witch that I lived with, the very first thing that we did as witches is we got bundles of sage from the New Age store, and we were burned sage to rid the house of evil. And so we would go in the corners and rid the house of evil. And I never thought in a million years that I would see Christians doing it. I thought it, it in my day, I thought, this is just what witches do. This is what people in the occult world do. This is what people in the New Age world do. And now... Um, there's so much mixture and it's passed down information that people don't know the origins. And it's really from, um, we go all the way back. We can see that it is steeped in witchcraft where you're communicating with spirits. You're communicating with 
the dead and you're trying to push these things back. But the only thing that will do that, the only thing that gets rid of evil is the spirit of our God, period. And so I personally don't practice that. I don't come in partnership with that. I don't recommend it for anybody. If you're trying to uh, clean your house and get some Lysol. Uh, and, And if you want the evil to go, Call on the name of Jesus. Amen. Anoint your house with some holy anointed oil that's been prayed over in the name of Jesus. That's right. That's right. So, Jenny, what are some other red flags that people uh, should look for that something may actually be occultic or or witchcraft? Well, we're seeing a a rise of the, like I said earlier, healing crystals. Mm. Crystals that give you energy. And when I have conversations with Christians, their genuine question to me is, well, didn't God make this, so isn't it okay? And I just want to caution people that just because something is here and it is made, like, for instance, uh, I can make drugs here, drugs are on the earth. That doesn't mean that I should be partaking in it and putting it in my body. Um, And so we need to be careful that, we are going to the source and seeing healing crystals and seeing people wearing these third eye necklaces or seeing people that are um, channeling their energy and chakras Mm -hmm. and um, people communicating with ancestors and getting their ancestors spirits to give them power. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about, I'm having conversations with Christians who are doing these things, Um, dabbling in things that the origins of, the event, like the event that we have coming up this weekend, Halloween, dabbling in these origins, where the origins, when you go back, you can't separate that it was steeped and done in witchcraft and the demonic realm. And so I would just caution people, just be mindful of what's coming into your home through movies, music, entertainment. Uh, you know, I went to the store that's a very popular store, and I even hate to say their name, but it was Marshall's. Marshall's. And I was just blown away that Marshall's had actual witchcraft books. Like, oh, you can come in here, you can do a spell, and then you can get this sage, and you can get these healing. It was like a whole kit. And they're selling it like it's a holiday kit that you would buy someone. And so it's really starting to be very mainstream. And I just feel like the church needs to be aware that we need to stay away from all things. The Bible says to stay away from those things of darkness, but rather them not to partake in them what's your advice to to people who Christians perhaps um, and and others who have dabbled in these sorts of things but really didn't understand the real danger uh, involved with those things what what's your advice to them what should they do yeah I would absolutely say have a conversation with the Lord always going to the Lord and, and saying father I'm just asking you to cleanse me wash me clean God, I I don't know if what I dabbled in, if that was okay or not, but I just want to make sure, God, that I'm right with you. And I ask you to rid me of any connection to anything in the demonic realm, the occult realm, or new age practices. God, I want to follow your truth. And so just having that conversation with the Lord and then purposing in your heart that you're going to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance everywhere that you go. We are getting a lot through our eye gate. We're getting a lot through our ears, what we hear, what we see all the time, asking the Lord, God, I need your protection today. I want to know the truth. And then if you have dabbled in things, like I I have had to do this. I have dabbled in things. Not dabbled. I was 
fully immersed mm. in them. I've had to renounce, say, I renounce all occult practices. I renounce the craft. I renounce witchcraft. I renounce all the perversion that came with it. And I cling to the Lord. The Lord is my master. He's the Lord of my life. And I declare this day that I only serve and follow mm. Jesus. And you make those declarations, and the Bible says you can decree a thing, and it will be established so that his light will shine on your ways. And so I absolutely would go to the Lord, repent for knowingly or unknowingly participating in something that would be considered witchcraft. Would you take a moment, Jenny, and just pray for those who will see this interview and lead them in a prayer like that? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we come to you and we ask you, Lord, that your hand would continuously rest on us. Father, we repent right now by the name of Jesus Christ for any involvement in the occult and new age in witchcraft practices. Father, we just repent right now. God, we're asking that you would wash us clean. Father, we say, come and take over. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in all truth. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we break every bit of witchcraft, every spell, every hex, every vest, every incantation, all sorcery, all magic, all voodoo. It is broken now by the precious blood of Jesus. We decree and declare that our bloodline is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And in Jesus' name, we will walk in your truth from this day forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? They brought the real live witches on the set. This is Hollywood. Yeah. And I know all of this to be the truth. And she said, church people, because, see, that's what they was. They wasn't the people of God. And a lot of people said, well, I hear from God. I know God, this and that. But you work in witchcraft. How you know God? And you work in the work of the devil. Some people didn't know. Some people did not know it's of the devil. Because it's at church. Mother so-and-so told me to burn sage. A mother so-and-so told me to throw salt, get ammonia, whatever they do, burn candles. Yeah, that destroyed me. The first time I saw church folks working to work, I said, they can't know. And and many didn't. Some found out, but they still want to work to work. Because they think if they don't, some spell going to come upon them. But I can hear the scripture saying, greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Brother Lewis said Native Americans burn sage to rid evil spirits. Well, today I don't have to burn nothing. Yeah, all I got to do is tell God about it. Go in my secret closet and talk to him. He get rid of the spirits. But he gave me power to get rid of them too. I can cast them out. I can bind them up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm grateful for this morning. So we're going to one more testimony. And uh, when we come back, uh, I have a couple of more, I think. So now 
now, there was this child that upumeleli leji out of the blue. The child was wearing all white, but I couldn't see the face because the face was shining. And then I just went back because of that light that I saw to the child. Into the child was, what do you want to do? And then I said, I don't need you. I need the one that is behind you. And then that child just took out a big sword, like a big sword. My name is Bukosi Sono. I'm 31 years of age. I was raised and born in Kiyani, Lipombo. Uh, I'm a firstborn to my parents. I have three siblings that are coming after me. So I'm just here to share my testimony of what I've went through till now that I'm here. Uh, this thing started when I was eight years old with dreams where I would dream like many things that I didn't understand at that time. So because I was a child, I couldn't even tell my grandmother because I was staying with her. So it went on, it went on with the dreams, only to find that I've been introduced to the spiritual world. At that time, like I say, I was eight years old, so I didn't know what was happening. So there came a point where we have to come to the site just to visit my mom, because my mom was, was staying at Johannesburg at that time with my little sister. So we came and visited my mother. Um, we were not even stayed long, within a week, and then we, we get a call from my grandmother to say my grandfather passed on, so we need to come back home. So we went home to Guyani, and then there was a funeral, everything was fine. So the problem was when we have to come back to the yard, there was a bit of a plant that was, was planted in the middle of the yard where uh, we need to do rituals. We know black people, we, we do rituals. So because I was the oldest in, in, in all the grandchildren at home, so I had to speak for myself. Little did I know that I was the one who was chosen to carry this thing of spiritually. So, okay, everything happened and I took the beer that they gave me, traditional beer, sorry, and then I just pulled there and I was just speaking. I didn't know that I was binding myself spiritually. So that night it happened that when I was asleep, I saw one of my relatives very close to her. She was telling me that we have to go remember what I'm speaking. It's happening in the spiritual world, not here that we are living in. So I saw myself in the dream uh, walking. So at home, at Guiani, there are these small, uh, I'll call it a passage, where we walk, we used to walk. So now when we're walking and then at front, I could see that there's certain like a bridge, but I couldn't see the way through. So I asked her that how are we going to get through the other side? And then she said to me, when we get there, it will just open. Fine, I, go, I, I went, and then when I got there, it was something like a cell. So when I get there, she just closed the door, and I never saw her. So I stayed there for three years, six months. How? My body, this is the body that God has created, and now my spirit went out of my body, and in my body, I was occupied with this spirit that will have the very same voice like me, who will cook like me, who will talk like me. But the only thing that you will get to know that it's not me, if you are spiritual, you would see, because I'll isolate myself, I'll have moods, I won't talk anything that you guys will know. So 
I had to make sure, or rather, the, the spirit that was in me had to make sure that I'm always alone. At that cell, I could see my body at home, but I couldn't go and occupy it because it was already occupied by the spirit that I didn't know. So, what was I living on? I was eating mud and water. So, it happens that my mom, because she was a spiritual person, she prays. I would say God touched her to say, I have to come and finish my, my high school this side at Johannesburg because I was staying at Lipombo. So that spirit that was in my body, it will still, it will love fighting, eat too much, and just cause destruction at home. So it happens that God touched my mother to say, I must come and finish my high school here in Johannesburg. So when I get here, uh, I could, like, I was always angry because I couldn't connect with my mother. I knew something was happening in me, but I couldn't. Uh, explain it because like I said I was now 13 years when I come and move aside and this thing happened when I was 8 years so I couldn't recall of everything that was happening by then but when I come aside I realized something was wrong with me but I couldn't know how to tell so we couldn't click with my mother because my mother she's a prayerful woman and my dad so one day they said to me we have to go to church and then we go to church every time when I'm at church I would just fall I would roll and do all those things I didn't know what was happening. By then, I never knew that I was going under the, 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 the training of becoming, or rather saving the other kingdom, which is the kingdom of devil. So now, when I was at church, I would roll, like I said, and then I would get home. This other day, the pastor called my parents in and said, your child is in level six. So we don't want her. We don't need her here at church because the spirit that are inside her are chasing people away from church. And then when they come back, they called me, and then they sit me down. They said to me, uh, the pastor doesn't want you anymore at church because you are working for the devil and you are in level six, and you are, you are the spirit that are inside you, they are chasing people away from the church. Like I said, because I don't remember doing any covenant with any spirit or anyone. So at that time, I never knew what was level six, but I was... It was part of the training. So it's the levels that you go, you undergo through dreams when you are passing. Like you dream something and you don't tell anyone. You just dream and dream. So it's just levels that the devil is using before you can know that now you have to do a covenant with him. So that night, I never slept. I was crying to say, okay, they say I'm working for the devil. Yes, I understand. I'm rolling. There is a lot of things that is happening to me. But now I don't understand what is really going on. That night, because the Bible says whatever that we, we talk with our mouth or rather with our tongue, we actually bind ourselves. So I was angry, I was crying, and then I wished to wait for the devil. No one came to me and said, do a covenant. But because of the love that I didn't get, to the churches when those things were happening to me, when I have to roll, or when I have to vomit, and when I have to do all those things that the devil was doing to me at church. So I said, you know what, I wish to wait for this devil that they're saying that I'm working for him. The devil does not take time. He waits for you to confess it with your mouth, then he can have a loophole for you. So in other words, he cannot have a loophole for you, the chance for him to attack you. So that night when I was sleeping, I hear carry a wind, a big wind towards my window. 
so immediately when I woke up, instead of me looking at the window, I looked straight to the door. And when I looked straight to the door, I saw this other person. The body, I could see that. I, I, I recognized this body, but I couldn't see the face. So what, the minute I wanted to ask, who are you? And then she just raised her, her head. And then I could see that it was my best friend from school. So now, when I was there, I was still amazed. What are you doing here this night and this time? And then she said to me, you have wished to come to our church because that's how the devil used the strategy. He won't say the kingdom of darkness, he would just say a church. And then when I was still amazed and said to her, what if my mother come, because I was staying at the bedroom by then, what if my mom will come and check me and find me that I'm not here? What is going to happen? And then she said to me, no worries, just lie down on your, on your back and then you just look up. And then I did what she said I must do. And then she just took a one step from where she was to where I was. And then she stood beside me where I was lying on the bed. And then she took her hand and put it on my chest. So she, it was as if she was pulling something out in me. So at that time, I could see me sleeping there. I could see myself standing with her. And then she said to me, when your mother comes, she will see this you, but you, never, you are not in your body. Okay, at that point, like I said, 13 years, I was still a child. I didn't understand what was happening. But it felt so good because I felt, okay, this is my friend. She's here. We're just going to church. So instead of us um, going out or opening the door, rather, that we have to come out, she said to me, I have to tell you the, the rules and the regulations of the transport that we're going to find outside. So you must make sure that when we go with the transport, your mind must be focused that Siandiza, we are flying. So if you find yourself maybe like people that sit where we find them, it's because they can't, if we are up there, we cannot come and rescue those people. So we have to just leave them there until people come in the morning and see them. So for you, Uguti, Unga, on that way, you have to focus that you are flying. Fine, I was given a uniform to wear. It was a pantyhose that was having um, its kimolo um, on the side, and then the bra that I was supposed to wear. So I wore I wore that, and then we go out of uh, the the room that I was in. And then when I get uh, outside, I found that there was three ladies and two people that were males and with me and the friend that came and took me. So it was more like a tree, but it was a big tree that they came with. Then they said to me, when you get here, make sure your mind is focused because the kingdom of the devil is not in this planet Earth. So now you have to focus. So I get in, I was focusing that we are flying. When we were passing the mountains, go through the waters, I didn't know, I didn't understand what was happening. We get there, when we get there, the building is like a human being. So where we have entered, we entered at a shoe, which is a reception. So when I get there, I found love because those people knew my name before I could tell their name, my name. Then they welcomed me and I felt love that I didn't get at the church or rather the churches that I was attending. That was a way of the devil trying to, to pull me to his kingdom. I didn't know it was fake love that they were showing me. So when I get to the reception, we all know when you are working, we have to talk to show that you are inside the building. 
So there was a big book that I was given. And this book, it shows that many people are just looking in. So I signed. When I finished signing, and there was three men that came. They were wearing all black. And then they said to me, we are taking you to dark room number one. So I felt I didn't hear it very correctly. I thought, okay, maybe they made a mistake. Fine. And then they took me. So where we passed, we, were pa we passed a hall where there was different kind of people. They were just sitting on groups and groups. So in the middle of the hall, they all turned and they waved their hands, called me by name. And I was convinced that this is a good church. And then when I get to that room that they say we are going to, I found that there was this chair that was sitting, this guy that was very handsome. And he was sitting there and then he welcomed me. So I was told that I must stand in the middle of the place so there's a, a, a little mat that you find there and then you stand there so when you stand there he will just greet you and smiling at you so at that time he was diluting my mind to think like them to do things like them even if he can tell me to jump I will jump without thinking because now my mind was being diluted this thing it's happening in the spirit it's happening in the spirit so now when he, he said to me uh, you have entered here, so there is no more going back. While I, it's like, where I want to, and he said, he just, uh, I, I keep uh, this screen where my family was sitting there, the way, and all that, if I don't work for him, then my family will end up there. So if I don't want that, I have to continue working for him because already I'm in the kingdom. So, that's what he said. And then when I was still, being weak, I was now being weak and my mind was diluted. Now I was thinking like them. I could feel that I have much power that I didn't understand what was going on. So it continues. When he was talking to me, this other two men came. So the other one was holding a bottle. Inside that bottle, there was a white worm that you could see through it. And then there was a bit of a little snake that has um, spots like leopard. And then they took that worm and they took that um, snake and then buzzed And then I don't know how they managed to ukutonza my umbilicate cord. And then they took those things buzzed around to my umbilicate cord. And then zazngenela to my waist. That was a tracker. Ukutu, wherever that I will be, minus the kingdom of darkness, the devil must monitor me that where I am. Just to fast forward the story, because my story is very long, and then the project that they 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 bang fagezona, it was that when na na lenyogalena, it was amaje amajo kona asmoto lawase luange, and the reason why of la amaje lawase, if I can get married to the kingdom of darkness, to this side, sorry, if I can get married to this side and get married to the kingdom of darkness, meaning this side I'm not supposed to have children, but that side to the kingdom I must have the children. So those stones were to block my womb, this side even if I can get married. And then they, they gave me a rubber. The rubber, I had to put it under my, my, my tongue when I'm at church, uh, a certain church that I'm sent to to destroy the churches, I must always surround my tongue. That power must go to the pastor, and there must be destruction at church. There was money that they 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 Any is not from South Africa. Any is from South Africa. That money, basically, when I'm at church, 
Mkshele, and then the pastor call in someone that is not faithful to tithe and offering. That person, Ame Pambili, I will be able to sing it on the Lemali spiritually. Imali, yes, you would see in the basket, would see a corner, but would see sevens and evangelists, you couldn't see because that money, Beri Donza Yongemali, is to the kingdom of darkness. All those projects, the Pumile, like the Pumile physically, but Banganisazona spiritually, but the Pumile physically. And another project, another project, the Les Bevanganisazona, Bevanganise, I'm a, like, I'm a, what's this? I'm a nails, like, Ipikishi, AZ3, ne? A1, Bishelelana, and then two Bishelelana, one Bishelelana, it was four. Les Pikir, Les Bevanganisazona, in. If I'm at church and there's this couple that loves each other, the devil, because he does not want to see anything that is good happening in this world that we are living in, he's always fighting good things. So now he will make sure that this couple will love me so much. And in extent that one day they will tell me I must visit them. So when I visit them, when I'm at their place, what will happen when I'm sitting wherever, whether in the room that they gave me, whether outside, whether I'm at the gate, as long as I'm in the yard where they're staying. And then I speak divorce to that uh, family. Obaba or mama would speak something that it's not even something that will make them to want to divorce, but I'll make sure that this one of them has to say, Ugutsi, you know what, I cannot do this anymore. So if it happens to that family without anyone having to say those words, spiritually I will deal with that family whether I'm not there. I will come and deal with that family until I see it divorce. So in Jongwe, it was Ugutsi Emishato. Uh, wherever I was not working at the Shebin, I was not working hotel I was working right inside the house of God. And then So I was in the department that I was working Goyo. I was working in Dabayoguti. I must cause miscarriages, I must cause accidents in I must destroy the churches and then ni change abantu to be something inga inga so i was working through under that department so the person that was my spiritual mother by then it was an indian lady which happens that um one day she came like physically where my neighbor where i'm staying had to see her and it was true she came to give me the the because tomorrow I'm going to destroy this church. So what was my first sacrifice? My first sacrifice, I was told that I must kill my little brother that comes, his third born, that comes after my sister. So I have to kill him and bring the blood to the kingdom of darkness. One day I was at home. And then I was sitting, and I had speakers around me. I had um, eyes that were not not that doesn't belong to me at that time. So everything that I used to do, I used to listen to what they are saying. Meaning, there is nothing I would do without them having not my own. So I must wait for them to tell me what to do. So coming back to the kingdom of darkness, when I went there, coming back, Bangbuisa, Mzimbenwami. I'm wearing this thing that I have dream wearing and I'm wearing this bra that I have dream wearing. What's happening? Meaning this thing was happening. 
So when I was sitting there, I was told because I had this question, what if the helper see me taking the child what's going to happen? And then I was told and sit at the bed and start to intercede. Interceding of we apply it to us because the devil cannot intercede. But what he does, the gift of the children of God, I apply it to life. And yes, this thing because Christians are not in the position. So now, when I was sitting on the bed, and then I, I start to intercede like the way they do in their language that I can't even speak it right now, I don't even know it anymore. So now I saw the door and then I was told I must rush and close the door so when I close the door and then I must rush and go back again and stand in the middle of my room so that's the slogan of the devil the devil used the middle of the place that's where he operates very well so now I stand in the middle of my room and then I was told but it won't be like it will be like not mosquito, and then mina must suck out the blood to him. So the minute meeting for Nuguhamba, Nyagumdwana, Upumelela, it's just a small child. The first time when I they initiate me, they have changed the way I think. So I was think I was now doing things like they do. So even if he can tell me kill this, I wouldn't uh, reason. Because now I was not controlling myself. I was being controlled by them. So I didn't even see that this is my younger brother. I saw him as an enemy because now the blood is, is needed in the kingdom of darkness. So now there was this child that upumilili out of the blue. The child was wearing all white, but I couldn't see the face because the face was shining. And then I just went back because of that light that I saw to that child. Into another child was, what do you want to do? And then I said, I don't need you. I need the one that is behind you. And then that child just took out a big sword, like a big sword, and then he didn't answer and he just pointed at me. And then it's a lightning to that. And then in And then because no one would know what was going on. At that time, Manuela Pansi, Immediately, the devil will send another spirit. You must carry on and do this mission. I need this blood. He does not care. But whatever I feel now, you need to deliver. This thing was very painful because no one knew in my family what was going on. I knew what was going on. But at that time now, I didn't have even more strength to say to people because I was promised if I can say, I will be killed. So at that time, I was all alone. I didn't know what was happening. But now I knew this is what is happening because when this thing happened, it happened, like I said, Ignati, I was dreaming that this thing was happening. So now, go to this child. We, have, we don't have time anymore. We need the blood of this child. And then I went running now without me walking. When I want to get to where Lomtana Lotu, he all white corn. Then something happened where I managed to the shyness leaving you bonile facing saying bonanje ameso lawa akipe the light again laying shayla. That was the last time ang shaya nyowela ebondoin mangwela ebondoin and then it disappeared. 
I ran, I opened the door for my little brother to go out because I couldn't do it. Immediately, I sat down to my bed. There were people, many people that were coming in the roof, windows and everything. They said, now, because you have failed to kill this child, we are going to four hospitals where you have to kill the newborn babies by 20 to cover the blood that you have lost. We went this thing happened now during the day. We went to those hospitals around here in Jobek because now the Christians are not standing in their position. It was easy for me, or rather with the people that we're going with, to work where even Christians are because people are not in their position. So now, before we even get to that hospital, when we're at the gate, the doctor or the nurse that is working with us will hear that and then we'll be told what it's clear we have to come in. So we'll come in, we'll go to the labor ward where the doctor or the nurse, it might be, and then when we get there, when or push shy or rather a pregnant woman that is in labor, you will never see me. The only person that will see me is the doctor or the nurse, so I will get into the room, like when you were told what you must push me like I said you will never see me but you will see the doctor that I will deliver so the problem where we take the children that's why it's very important for us to see everything that we do we do it in prayer so now when we get there to that room with the people that I came with Plus the doctor or the nurse that we'll be working with, Sizoranda Umtuana, seeing the chain, Wesibambana Nizanda, Sikuluma with the language, Lebe Sisebenzisa into the kingdom of darkness. And then Minangituniwe, Uguting Miling Buelum Tuana, Milingi Kutela Umtana Alelekon. I will start to suck the blood, Yumtuan. And then we have to come up with a sickness that will say to the doctor, Tell the, the parent of the, the, the mother or rather Umtana we've lost him, maybe began a shortness of breath. Maybe Umtana began a problem in brain. Maybe Umtana began this problem. And then we produce your child to you. We don't take the body. You you see you can see the body. The only thing we do is to suck the blood out and then when we have to produce your son or your, your daughter, we produce that person to you to say we have lost the child because of this kind of sickness. So to all the hospitals that I went through, I was able to do that, to gain the blood that I lost for my little brother. Because like I said, Christians were not there. But what happens if there is someone that is a Christian and standing in the position and I was sent to that place to go and destroy? This is what happened. It's either a mall where you'll be working maybe with your, your partner or you'll be working with your child. As long as you're in right standing with God, your, the anointing of God covers the whole place, the whole place of mall. So if it's me having to go to maybe Edgar's, there is someone I must destroy at Edgar's, and there is you who is praying, you who has stand with, with God, right standing with God, and there is you, you just shopping. I can never operate or find myself being in that mall. That's how God is powerful. But now we don't know because uh, the devil has blindfolded us not to see Uti. He is operating and wasting our time. So that's what happened. If there is someone that is 
a, a Christian, someone that has right standing with God, wherever you will be, you dominate the place. But it's a problem if you're a Christian, but you didn't, you're not in your position. Then that's where the devil get a chance to go and work. So to all those hospitals, I was able to itata ikazi because Christians were nowhere to be found. My goodness, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Gotta kill her brother. Suck the blood. My goodness, a lie. Let me tell you, the devil is no joke, and he don't play. We say we Christians, we believers, and we can play if we want to. The devil don't. Yeah. He means to destroy you. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, ma'am, and no, sir. We're going to the next one, and... um, Keep it moving. And one night I was having sort of a discussion slash debate with one of these friends, and we got into it pretty good. And then I really felt like I had the winner in this debate. This point I was going to make, I thought, was just going to be the best, and it would it would end the debate. And so I said it. And uh, sure enough, my friend kind of stopped talking, and he said, Art, I hear what you're saying. And that's a really good point, but it's not in the Bible. Mm. The words that came out of my mouth right after he said that, they just came out. I didn't even have to think about it. I said, it must be in the Bible because I know it's true. And then my friend rubbed his chin some more. (laughs) Even after I said that, something about it didn't sound quite right. But my friend rubbed his chin some more and he said, Art, I really don't know if you're a Christian. I love hearing testimonies when someone can point to a date and say, on that day, I changed forever. I gave my life to Jesus. He became my Lord and Savior. And there was just a tremendous difference before and after, kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus. But when I look at my life, I don't really have a date like that. I grew up in the church as far back as I can remember. I've believed in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. I went to church every Sunday. I sang in the choir. I went to youth retreats. And my life was always a Christian life. And I uh, believed in Jesus. And so when I look at my life, I can't look back to a particular day and say there was a tremendous change before and after. But I can look back to various times in my life when there was uh, a time when I something happened or something caused me to make a decision to follow Jesus with more of my life. Mm. Instead of it being a dramatic change on a particular day for me, it was more, it's more like I took steps. And it's been a progression over my life in terms of my following Jesus and him becoming more and more Lord of my life. And so I'll share with you a a couple of examples of that. Uh, Something that I remember uh, happening in college, I think I was a sophomore, and I had joined the Christian Fellowship on campus. I had a number of friends who were uh, more mature in the Lord than I, I was, And one night I was having sort of a discussion slash debate with one of these friends, and we got into it pretty good. And he was making his points, and I was making my points, and we were going back and forth. 
And then I really felt like I had the winner in this debate. This point I was going to make, I thought, was just going to be uh, the best, and it would it would end the debate. And so I said it. And uh, sure enough, my friend kind of stopped talking, kind of leaned back, kind of did this with his chin. Of course, I thought it was over. I had won. And he said, Art, I hear what you're saying, and that's a really good point, but it's not in the Bible. Mm. And so the words that came out of my mouth right after he said that, they just came out. I didn't even have to think about it. I said, it must be in the Bible because I know it's true. And then my friend rubbed his chin some more. (laughs) Even after I said that, something about it didn't sound quite right. But my friend rubbed his chin some more, and he said, Art, I really don't know if you're a Christian. Wow. And that really hit me. It says in Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And so I thought and thought, and then something inside me was also just confirming. There was something that wasn't quite right, wasn't quite the way it should be. So I got a yellow legal pad, and for the next couple of months, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then I went back to the wisdom books in the Old Testament, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, and I read those books, and I took notes. I actually chose to read them in a paraphrased Bible, the Living Bible, just so I could make sure that I was seeing them in a new light. And lo and behold, I found a number of other things that I knew were true that weren't in the Bible. (laughs) And so it became clear to me that I'd been treating the Bible as advisory, but not authoritative. Yeah. Do you remember some of those things at all Like that, that you thought was like, oh, this is very true? I don't remember, you know, in detail. This was a long time ago. (laughs) But and I don't even remember what we were discussing and debating that night, the particular point. But I do remember this, that I felt that Jesus was asking me, would you make the Bible more than advisory? Mm. Would you make it authoritative? Two words that begin with A, but there's a big difference between those two words. And so I made the Bible authoritative in my life, and that was a step for me. I can look back and say that's when things changed, and my walk with the Lord became deeper. Uh, I, I started to read the Bible more. I started to study the Bible, and the Bible took on a new role in my life. And so that was one of the steps that happened in my life. Uh, I think another one that was also very important was when um, this church started. At that time, I was going to another church just at night because I was a programmer and worked a lot at night. And so I uh, was not really involved that much in the church. The night service was kind of simpler to go to. Message was very good, and I really appreciated the messages. But I wasn't really doing anything with the church. And so the church I go to now started, and I went to one of the meetings. They were just meeting in people's homes, and they needed a worship leader. Mm. And so, I don't know, I just felt prompted to become, uh, offer my uh, self as the worship leader. Then that became 
started a season where God started to show me how he could use my gifts in a new way in service and blessing other people. I became the worship leader of this new church and uh, was the worship leader every Sunday for a number of years. And my relationship grew through that because now it was a new dimension to my Christian walk. I was I was serving Mm -hmm. in the church and in a new way. And then Pastor Greg, the current pastor of our church, uh, came to our church. He was um, uh, came as the youth pastor slash associate pastor. And so for a while, I looked at his life and I said, you know, there's someone living their Christian life in a way that I'm not. To me, that was a new dimension, a new level. And so I thought, I'm just going to maybe start to get to know him. And, and so, what, and what I, were sorry, sorry to cut you off, but what were some of the things that you were seeing in him that attracted you, or that you were like, man, like I'm not seeing that in myself? Well, he had an intensity about his walk, the way he talked about Jesus, and the way he applied it, and what he was doing. I could just see here was a depth in his life that was attractive to me. Mm. I was really impressed with the way he applied. Uh, what he believed to his call and to his ministry. There was just something about him that I thought to myself, I could learn from him, and I would like some of these qualities in my own life. So I started by taking him out to lunch every week. You can always do that. Almost no one will refuse that. That's right. And pretty soon he, he got interested in my life. He started asking me to teach Sunday school, which I'd never done. And he uh, asked me to go on a missions trip. I'd never been on a missions trip. Leaders uh, sometimes in the church uh, can see potential in people, and he saw potential in me. And so he went about sort of cultivating that potential under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so for the period of about the next three or four years, I can point to that as saying that was a time of mentoring Mm. for me when He spoke things into my life and provided opportunities for my life that I wouldn't have embraced or walked in otherwise. Mm. And it came from just the Holy Spirit putting something in my heart. You can learn from this person. You can grow, uh, get to know this person. And so it was uh, a wonderful time. At one point, about three or four years after this, he asked me to go to India with him. I went to India. That was, again, another uh, jump in my life. So at this period, even though it was spaced over a period of three or four years, this mentoring relationship made an enormous difference in my life, opened up whole new avenues of serving for the Lord that I didn't anticipate or even understand at the time. And so when I look back on my Christian life and my testimony, always looking back and seeing that I believed in Jesus as Lord— I believe that it was then a question for me of growing in that, mm. growing into in the, the fullness of what that meant. And uh, it's interesting that the way that happened for me was through relationships. Yeah. And so uh, whenever I had relationships with other people, people needed me, I could, I could serve them, joining this new church and forming relationships and getting involved with worship and so forth, forming a relationship with Pastor Greg, and then having him pour into me and learning new things. It typically always happened in the context of some kind of relationship, Mm. uh, is how God got a handle on my life to take me uh, deeper 
and to make me more into the image of his son, Jesus. How has Jesus impacted your life, if you could put it in a nutshell? Well, you never know what's ahead. Uh, You never know what it will be like when there's a a change. Uh, So you have to trust. Um, I think that's where the relationship with Jesus comes in. Um, Am I going to spend more of my time doing this? Am I going to uh, give up some of my ideas and 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 receive what the Lord is telling me. Am I going to step out and obey and do these things? You never know. Mm. But with God, you can always trust that whatever it is, it's going to be good. Yeah. And so uh, I can't really tell anybody that it's all laid out for you. It's not like getting a new mortgage when you see all the paperwork and you know what the rate's going to be and you know what the all the details are. It's more like something stirs in your heart and you have to, you have to make a decision without knowing (laughs) all the details. But with God, because he's your father, because you know so many other people that it worked with the same way, I would say it's pretty much a sure bet. Yeah. Art, for anybody who's listening to your testimony, actually, we've had a lot of people who have feel discouraged by hearing other people's testimonies and their encounters, and, and, and they've seen and experienced all of these things, or they've defeated drug addiction and all of these things, right? And obviously, you have a very special testimony where you grew up in the church. Um, but what can you say to people who are listening to your testimony, who are listening to other testimonies and sometimes feel discouraged because they also grew up in the church? What can you say to them? Well, I would say that everybody is different. Sometimes it's good to compare yourself with other examples in the faith. Sometimes it's not, if that causes you to think that you're lacking in some way. Mm-hmm. It does take a while to understand that sometimes. There may have been times in my life when I felt gosh, why didn't this happen this way or something like that? Yeah. But I can tell you that the more you live your life, the less and less you feel that way mm. because God is so good. And so I think there's something in front of us at any time in our life where we can go deeper and God can use us more as long as we're on this earth. And so I would just say, don't be discouraged. Be careful how you compare. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Lastly, are any any last words for anybody who is watching your testimony right now? If God is moving the same way in your life as he moved in mine, there are going to be relationships that come into your life. And if if it's like me, there are a number of times when I wanted to run. I had enough of this. Uh, it gets too close to home and so forth. But just keep those relationships Uh, stick it through because uh, even though there are times when you want to run and you want to say something or you want to burn a bridge or something, if you can just hold on, uh, it's usually only a few days when it becomes so much clearer and things resolve. But relationships can be hard sometimes. But uh, trust, trust God and trust the relationship. Amen. Thank you, Art. Because I kept it to myself for so long, it caused me to dive into the lifestyle. So I began to live a life of homosexuality. And so my life took a turn because I was still in church. 
I was still in church, still singing, you know. So I tell people, for me, I could, I can say I was a good hypocrite, a good one. Um, I, I knew how to church, but I also, I had a love for God, but it was so succumbed by fear. And it was overcome by the anxiety of the struggle on the inside. So I was secretly taught to guys. I was secretly date. I was secretly, it's like my whole life became a good secret. Um, my name is DeAndre Cockrell. I am 35 years old. Um, I am I am a native of Columbus, Mississippi. Um, I was born and raised there. Um, grew up in the church. Um, I recently moved here to Manassas, Virginia, um, where I'm a part of Nova Hub under Prophet Jordan, Bryce Conway. Um, I grew up in the church. Grew up in the church, Pentecostal background, Church of God in Christ, and just. You know, as I grew up, my dad is a preacher. He's an elder. My mom is a great, powerful intercessor and also preacher. Um, as I grew up, I started singing at a young age. Um, so I was five when I first began to sing in the church. And by the age of around 19, that's when I began to encounter the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Um, and I began to have a powerful encounter with the Lord. And I grew up with a desire to know God, um, with a desire to want to be more like him. But of course, my life took a, a shift. Um, Before we get to the to the shift, what did that look for you when it came to being filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh man, it was an experience. Oh, it was an experience. The Seeing the power of God, you know, I grew up in a church where, you know, you had the mothers, the deacons, the elders, the the pastor, the evangelist, the, the real powerful preaching, the powerful singing. And everybody was dancing and running around the church and falling out and seeing, you know, demons get cast out, people get healed from sickness. And so I grew up watching this. And so a lot of times in church, um, when you grow up under something like that, it's easy to attach um, and so for me, though, it was such a raw, organic thing um, to experience that level of God. Um, you know, I didn't know, even though we were taught that anybody could experience the power of God and be filled with him, I didn't know within myself that it could actually happen for me until I was at home. And the next thing you know, I am sitting there rolling, praying in tongues, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is for real. And so, so you know, the next thing you know, in church, um, praising God, singing, speaking in tongues, shouting, and but being the, 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 the boy that influenced even other young people, because being on fire for God myself, I didn't really want to be like everybody else. So I was a little outsider kind of because I was the one that wanted to learn from the mothers and the older men of the church um, and when I would hang around the children it was a little difficult because they wanted to talk about one thing I wanted to talk about what happened to church and so it was different for me um, because it caused me to have to really live a life at an early age to just want to know him so it was it was weighty 
if that's a good word for it. So there was there was a shift in 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 your life mm-hmm. where you stepped away. Yeah. Could you share with us what that shift was? I can't. Um, so I personally was um, molested um, at a young age, at the age of five. I was molested by a very close family member, um, and so all it it. At that time, I couldn't tell you that that's what that was. Um, it was it was someone of the opposite sex. Um, it was a woman. Um, she was a young woman at the time, um, but I couldn't just say, "Hey, like this person touched me, and it, this shouldn't have happened." Um, I didn't know because I was very playful as a child, and so I enjoyed playing around, making people laugh. It was a major part of my personality. Um, And so when that happened, it just happened. And so after that, I began to feel different thoughts come at an early age that I couldn't interpret well. I just knew they were there. Um, And so by the age of nine, it happened again with a close family member. Um, And it caused me to want to explore things, but this was of the same sex. Um, So from the age of nine to 13, it literally happened over and over and over again until it didn't feel like molestation anymore. It just started feeling like it was supposed to happen. Um, And so after that, I went into this age of um, promiscuity, wanting to, you know, be with other guys um, at an early age, just wanting to just see what it was to be with a boy, even though the church I grew up in and being taught under such a word movement, um, you know, that was one thing, you know, I'm born in the 80s, so, you know, homosexuality was one thing that was beaten to the ground, like, this is an abomination. You will go to hell, you know, period. And so for me, with those thoughts, I couldn't say it because I felt so condemned by it that I didn't know that, you know, this was supposed to be said. And so out of fear, I kept it to myself. Um, And so from 13 on up to 18, I began to drive my mind into this dark place. So that's when masturbation showed up, pornography showed up, um, and just, just exploring these different sexual appetites that I didn't, you know, understand. Um, and so after that, because I kept it to myself for so long, it caused me to dive into the lifestyle. So I began to live a life of homosexuality. And so my life took a turn because I was still in church. I was still in church, still singing, you know. So I tell people, it, for me, I could, I can say I was a good hypocrite, a good one. Um, I, I knew how to church, but I also, I had a love for God, but it was so succumbed by fear. And it was overcome by the anxiety of this struggle on the inside. So I was secretly talk to guys. I was secretly date. I was secretly, it's like my whole life became a good secret. Um, but of course, with that lifestyle for some people, it starts to show in your outer extremity. So for me, it started, I started to become more feminine, 
um, things started happening where I wanted to try out different things because in my mind I started to develop the mentality that maybe I should have been a woman. And so I, in my mind I was like, maybe this is the road I should take. Maybe I should go and think about becoming a trans. Like I literally was having all of these thoughts. And up until like the early 2000s, um, I began to really explore it. Um, dated guys, dated a guy, almost married a guy. Like, and and your church at at this point, are are they approaching you? Or are they are they still in the unknown? What's going on with them or with your relationship with them? Some are still in the unknown. Some are approaching, right? Um, some are like Andre, like you're okay. You know, they want you to come out and be like, are you dealing with this? It's just like, are you okay? Is everything good? Um, are you struggling with something? And, you know, by that time, I also saw so much gossip in the church that me trusting you with that issue was not going to happen. <laughs> like, I was not going to tell you that I'm struggling with this in private, and the next thing you know, Sunday is being preached about. That was not going to happen. And so I held it. And I held it well um, to me, to my knowledge, until I started to realize that there were people who were watching me, who saw me in church singing, saw me in church prophesying, saw me in church. I would lead worship and would see God actually save people doing praise and worship. Altar calls of salvation would happen. But I would walk off the platform in tears, and they would think that I felt God when what I felt was total anger towards myself. Because the next thing you know, I'm checking to see when my boyfriend was going to pick me up. Um, so it became a real, real life, double life for me. It's easy for, for, for people to judge and for people to kind of have an idea of what you're going through. But mm -hmm. what were you hearing from God at that time? He still loved me. And that baffled me. So I didn't believe it. Um <laughs> Uh, I still chose you. I'm like, no, that that is not possible um, because, and forgive me if I cry, because the reality that you chose me and that you love me, and I felt like I was constantly slapping God in the face because I'm up singing, and I would mean it. Like, I would, I would really mean I love God, but on the inside, this thing that I could not shake, this thing that constantly beat on my mind. And, you know, I'm hearing this is wrong, but I'm feeling this is natural for me. Um, and so, you know, I didn't naturally feel the, the desire for women. I naturally felt the desire for men. So the, the, the balance of that for me was difficult. So to hear God say stuff like, I love you. I still chose you. I'm not angry with you. And I remember one day I was sitting and um, I was sitting in church and the Lord began to deal with me about how much he pursues me. And that kind of began to pivot my life. And that was around 2008 where God began to deal with, you know, the, the, the extreme of DeAndre, I love you. I know you were taught that I'm waiting to hit you upside the head every time you do something wrong, but I actually love you. And I want you to know that. 
And what a lot of people don't understand is that when you deal with the lifestyle of same-sex attraction, it's so many different reasons why people deal with that. And so it's not just one universal reason. Does that make sense? It's like, okay, hey, um, I'm dealing with this. Okay, so you must have been molested. Everyone, that's not everyone's testimony with that. Um, And so even for me, like, if I can be honest, early on in life, um, even at the age of four, like, I felt those things towards a man. Um, I could remember sitting in church and seeing one of the ministers preaching, and my mind began to run as innocent as I was at four. That was already a seed planted because the enemy had devised a plan to do everything he could to cause me to deviate from the plan of God for my life. And so it started early, even before molestation. Molestation just grew the seed. Um, And so to hear God say, I love you, I didn't believe it. Um, But I started to believe once I began to see it, like, and I began to pay attention to his pattern in my life. He was never changing. You know, he was always the same. Um, I could be praying and he still would respond. And I'm like, why are you responding to me? You know, why do I feel your presence? Why do I feel your touch? And he would let me know, I love you. And so that's what began to drive me to a place to really just want to see God bring me to a place of real freedom. So, yeah. There had to be a point, obviously, where you you had to make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even as you go into that change, uh, I'm interested in hearing what caused that change. Because if God is affirming you in this life, right? Mm-hmm. Many will say, "Well, see, we can we can live like this, and mm-hmm. God loves us." The problem is mm-hmm. the people that are judging us. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. God loves us, so we can continue in this life. Mm-hmm. So, so what changed? What changed was every time he told me he loved me, I still felt conviction. God in his love and in his infinite love towards us, um, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws by conviction. You know, he convinces us through conviction. And so for me, every time he said he loved me on the inside, it was like a fear of him. Okay, not a fear like, oh God, I'm afraid of you, but a reverence of why do I keep doing this to him? Why do I keep doing this? He's constantly saying he loves me, but it didn't feel like he was affirming me in the lifestyle. It felt like he was affirming what he created me to be. And so it, I had to make a decision to separate from my flesh <laughs> and allow his spirit to speak um, and allow my spirit to connect because the reality is in my flesh, even to this day, I still at times am shocked at how far he's brought me. Um, and I sometimes have to be reminded because we live in a body. Um, and this is something that a lot of people that deal with this issue and that deal with anything need to understand. When God delivers, you still have temptation. You still have a flesh, right? But you have to know that when you made the decision to walk away from who you thought you were and to be drawn into who he said you are, it was a decision that you wake up every day and make. Like, 
And so for me, that that became my everyday conviction. God loves me, so I can't punch him in the face. But I had to allow him to bring me to a place of healing. I had to forgive the molesters. I had to, you know, forgive myself because I blamed myself, you know. And so I had to say, DeAndre, it's not your fault. You know, I had to go talk to somebody. And I know some people don't, you know, in the church. I grew up in a church that taught against counselors, you know. <laughs> so, you know, God is your counselor. And the reality is God gave us that. You know, he gave people the intelligence to to deal with the mind and to help you process things and to help you heal. And so for me, I had to do that. I had to talk to someone. And I had to do one of the hardest things that I thought I would ever have to do, and that is I came out to my parents. Um, not to the whole world. I didn't care about how people really felt about it. I came out to my parents. I told my parents, this is me. This is where I am. This is what I've dealt with. Um, and the reality for me is that it, you know, even though, you know, like I said, my dad's a preacher. My mom's a preacher also. So it it caused me to, to literally um, feel as if, okay, I had to prepare myself for judgment. I had to prepare myself for being separated from my family because I've seen so many stories that were like that. But when I came out to them, all they did was love me. So all that did was extend what God said, I love you. And so it pushed me into a place of healing. Um, it pushed me into a place of freedom. So that is what even the person that's listening, that's dealing with it, that feels affirmed in the lifestyle, God loves you. And when he looked at you, he saw that it was good. And he created us in his image. But a lot of times the image can get distorted or it can get broken by circumstance and things that happen in life. But it doesn't mean that's who we are. And so our identity is in him. And so coming to find that identity in him is something that I'm ever growing in, honestly. Um, and it's a powerful thing um, to live this life of learning because I had to learn how to be a man even because my, my, my masculinity became warped. Talk about that. So, well, for one thing, I was taught masculinity is you at least need to, you know, play sports or something, at least one sport every guy needs to play. Um, you know, you need to, you know, love outdoors. That was not me, still isn't. Um, you know, and so my idea of masculinity was warped by culture and by society, but it also became warped by what happened because now I'm thinking that I'm supposed to be this feminine man. You know, I'm not a woman, but I don't feel like a man either. So I didn't act like one. You know, I had to flip other wrists. I had the high voice, you know, all of that. To look at me now, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I be like, wow, God, you really did work. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it it is God has had to literally teach me how to just be a man and not be a man by what you do. Be a man by who you are. Be a man by who you identify as. You know, you are a man. So there's just certain attributes that come with who you are. And so I had to learn that again. Um, and I also had to learn how to trust men because I didn't. I didn't trust guys. I didn't trust male friendships. I didn't trust anything like that. 
uh, because it was, I had all of this testosterone around me and all of this masculinity around me that I didn't fit any of it. And so it was hard for me to identify. So they would talk about women and I would look crazy and, you know, kind of slip away from the conversation. Um, or And so it caused me to drive to be friends with more, more so women than men until actually recently. So God actually brought me to a place recently around guys here at Nova Hub. Um, and even before I came here, um, there were guys who God put around me at the church I was at um, that that began to pull me in and just help me identify with who I am. What are some other practicals that 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 you had to go through, uh, or things that you had to do in order to um, begin this process of unlearning a lot of the things that mm-hmm. you know you had been taught or that you had learned throughout your childhood? Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, you you were at the border of getting married, like you mentioned. So mm-hmm. you you went very far. Mm-hmm. What were some other things that you had to to learn in that process of of, of healing, which I'm sure you're still going through? Yeah. What, um, what were some other things? Um, I had to learn that there was nothing wrong with me. Um, and that is a major. It was a major identity thing for me because I wanted the approval of especially men. Um, I wanted the approval of my father. Um, And I just healed from that over the last 10 years. Um, And it completely was healed over the last three. But um, I really wanted the approval of my father, not realizing that he already approved. You know, not realizing my dad loved me regardless. And that's a lot that the enemy tells people, especially people, especially men that deal with same-sex attractions. It's like, oh, man, my dad won't love me anymore. You know, if dad is present, he's not going to love me anymore. Um, or he's going to, you know, exile me. He's going to excommunicate. You know, he's not going to talk to me anymore. Um, and so I, that was another fear for me. So I had to grow in even trusting my relationship with my father. I didn't trust it. So I wouldn't talk to my dad. I would talk to my mom. And my mom and I are, like, very close. She's, like, my best friend. But even now, my dad is becoming very close um, to my heart uh, because I'm learning that, you know, this, this, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you know, even, to be honest, even to this day, um, when temptation comes, um, I had to learn that I don't identify with the temptation and, you know, that's a word for anybody who's dealing with different temptations of something that you've been delivered from. That's not your identity. Um, I don't identify with the temptation. I identify with the God who delivered. And so there are days I still have to make the choice to keep running because there are days that frustration comes. And so I had to unlearn the judge of God and not unlearn it, but know the judge, but also learn the father. You know, the father was kind of out of my range. (laughs) I was like, Father, (laughs) you're God. You sit on the throne, and you judge clean and unclean. And so I had to unlearn that. I had to learn, no, I'm a father. And as a father, yes, I do judge. and But I judge rightly. I don't even judge the way you think I judge. You know, and so... Is I had to learn that. Um, and another thing I had to do, 
I honestly, you know, the Bible says when I was a child, I thought as one. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, that's even with dealing with life. Like when when I was in an in, infant state, I thought as that, right? Pooped everywhere. You know, people had to clean up my mess. But when I became a man, when I became more mature, I had to put away those things and make better decisions. I don't go in certain environments. I had to stop. Like, there are certain friends that I I had that were like, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I want to do. And I would feel when they would talk to me how it would kind of draw me back in. So I had to kind of be like, okay, DeAndre, you need to chill with that. But then now I'm in a place where some of those same friends come back and be like, bro, I just need to hear how you got where you are. And so, but I had to be okay with doing that too. But um, I also had to really practice being DeAndre. So DeAndre had to take himself out. DeAndre had to go to the movies by himself. DeAndre had to learn how to like me because I didn't like me. Because I thought to me that I was created wasn't good enough. So I had to learn how to like DeAndre and my personality, who I am, how different I am, um, my uniqueness. And so that that helps with healing too. Now looking back, you know, at, at your current state right now and at your current age mm-hmm. and, and looking back at what everything that um, God has done in your life, mm-hmm. what is the good that Jesus brought out of all of this process? Yeah. Um, I learned how to love. I learned how to love people. Um, there's a grace to my life. Um, people can trust me. Um, and I've learned how to understand that even with the negative, there's always another side to it. Like it doesn't have to stay where it is. And so it caused me to learn how to approach life like that, whether it's a job, whether it's you know, decisions that I have to make. It caused me to approach life. Okay, DeAndre, there's always going to be a positive side. There's always going to be another side to this. So you have to keep pushing. So it put uh, an, an endurance, a stamina in me to not quit. Um, so a very strong personality came out of that. Um, a lover of people came out of that. Um, an understanding of people in hard places came out of that because I think in church a lot of times we forget that we were there. We forget that, you know, I was that. (laughs) I was broken. I was confused. I was, you know, manipulated. I was depressed. I was suicidal. And so we forget that and we lose mercy. Um, We lose the ability to show it. And so what God has done through that is taught me how to be merciful towards people. Um, and another thing, it it helped me build relationships better. Um, and also, it helped me learn how to say no. And I know people, that's the major testimony for me because I was a people pleaser through that. If people, if people, if I felt like people would be okay with me, I would do whatever they asked. But now I'm in a place where they're like, DeAndre, can you do this? I don't want to. So no. And it's a big thing for me and because I had to learn that I don't like that. So if I don't like it, I'm not going to say I want to go there. I'm not going to say I want to do it. And so it was major for me. There were certain decisions that I made, um, you know, 
that are in process now um, that I, I don't necessarily regret, but it, it brought pain in certain areas. Um, and so it caused me to even have to look at myself on a whole nother scale and on a whole nother spectrum, um, you know, and so I had to even give God that. So, you know, you know, I got married in 2017 um, and now separated, um, now in the middle of, you know, finalizing, you know, papers and different things like that. Um, and all of those and all of that decision, it created almost a frustration within me, but through life, it caused me to have a bounce back mentality. And so I was like, DeAndre, you're going to bounce back from this. Cause I almost lost myself even in that because I put my identity for so long in people that even marriage became that for me. You know, marriage became, you know, cause that's what I was told my whole life. I'm supposed to be married. And I'm supposed to have children. It's just for me, I never had that, you know, real connection where I was like, I really want that. I just wanted to love people and be who I'm called to be. But what it drove in me was a desire to be something that I didn't necessarily connect to yet, right? And so it caused pain um, to my wife. It caused pain to me. It caused me to look at myself in a horrific, you know, sight. And so I almost lost myself again in that moment. And so even now being here, honestly, um, the positive thing is God has put me around people like Nova Hub to build and I can trust it as if, if it was a few years ago, I wouldn't trust anyone. I would be real quiet and shut down, <laughs> shut off, but I can actually trust the ability to, you know, move on with my life um, and know that I'm good. She's going to be okay. We both are. And I can still live out my purpose because I'm still chosen. I'm still his. But if I would have known that before, I wouldn't be able to see that now. So the positive of that is taking the lemons out of life and learning how to add sugar to it and make lemonade. And so it's a positive nature to me now. Do you believe marriage is in the pipeline for you? <laughs> I've been told, I've been told um, several times that, hey, you're going to get married again. Um, I personally don't, um, only because I really, really just want to just walk with the Lord. Um, and I don't want to walk in a place that doesn't, at this point, connect with me. Um, neither do I want to take anyone else through the pain of, hey, we're not connecting well, and we try and we go through the counseling and the therapy, and it still doesn't add up. I don't want to go through that again. And so um, just to walk with God and as he is sovereign, as he is graceful, if that's something that he decides to do, then it'll definitely be him, not me. I, it, he'll have to give that that genuine desire and connection for it. Um, but it's not something that that I would say I would run to. But also I realize now I don't necessarily have to just run to that because of my testimony. Because a lot of people that have the testimony that I have, um, that's the first thing that happens. You know, I'm going to go get married and get a wife. Or, you know, the woman that deals with it, she's going to get married and get a husband. But it, that doesn't mean that that completes your testimony. 
you know, that doesn't mean that that is, oh, I'm good now. The book is sealed. No, you were sealed in Christ. You were completing him. And that is your identity in him. And so if if that's something that you want, then that's amazing. Um, I look at marriage as such a jewel, and I look at it very seriously. And so for for what happened that even happened, it kind of caused me to go through a real strong depression. Um, because of how serious I look at marriage. Um, and I jumped into something that I didn't count the cost for. Um, and I don't want to do that again. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. Where's your relationship with God now? I'm sure it's, it's shifted over the years. And yeah. uh, how could you describe it now? Very organic. Um, very close. Uh, very close. Um to the point, this is going to sound really funny, and it's very simple, but even, like, the outfit I have on now, like, he told me to wear it. Like, he was like, you look nice in that shirt. Wear that one. Like, and growing to that place, and God wants to have that life with us to where he affects what you eat. He affects what you drink. He affects what you do. You know, He want, he's that in love with us. And sometimes it's hard, especially for men, to have that level of vulnerability with God but he wants that, and you know, you don't have to go through what I went through to experience that vulnerability with him. He wants that level of vulnerability with us, and so I'm able to be vulnerable with him. I'm able to be honest with him. I'm able to tell him things that I cannot tell people at first, and then he leads me to who I can trust to tell. Um, you know, I have accountability with him. I can trust him, um, and I'm just I'm madly in love with Jesus, and that's where it is now. For anybody that's listening to you right now that is going through a, a similar um, story, some may have shared it, some may have not yet. Uh, mm-hmm. What can you say to those people who have not shared it um, and are still in the dark? What can you say to them? Um, this isn't your end. This isn't your end. Um, your life doesn't have to end here. Um, this is not you. You know, um, you don't have to settle for this to be your identity. Um, When you were created and when God looked at you, he saw something amazing. And the enemy a lot of times has warped many people's mentalities of causing them to feel like, well, he should love me like this because I feel like he made me like this. When the reality is it was a seed. Everything starts with a seed. Whether it was a seed in the thought or whether it was a seed by being touched. It was a seed. And from that seed, it, it brought it brought fruit. Um, but God still loves you, and he still wants the best for you, and he still has a plan for you. So this isn't your end. So I literally pray for encounter with the love of God that completely transformed their lives.
Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah. What some testimonies today. My goodness, my goodness. I thank God for testimonies. I really do. Because I tell you, it was many testimonies as a child that I heard that has helped me along the way. Yeah. He did it for Mother McClendon. He did it for Mother Blakely. Uh, he did it for Mother Tyler. You know, these are older ladies in the church, what they call church mothers. And these women would get up and testify to the goodness of the Lord. And so in my walk many days, I could think back on different testimonies. You know, I heard from them. I'm going through the same thing that they said they went through and God brought them out. And now the guy, DeAndre, now I tell you, I really believe that this man loved the Lord, and I believe he is walking with God to the best of his ability. And if you see him, yeah, you wouldn't think nothing about him but another man. Yeah, looks can be deceiving, but he has changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If I'm still doing what I used to do, I got to go back to the altar. And get that thing right with God. Because evidently I must not become a new creature. I don't understand something. And I need to come back to God for deliverance. I need to come back to God to be totally set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's able this morning. And I believe he's willing to do it for us. Yeah, I heard the testimony about the girl. She was supposed to kill her brother. They playing over there with blood sacrifice. And I used to say this. I used to say uh, the devil recruit children. He have people that, you know, kids come up missing, and they, a lot of people think it's uh, what they call a human trafficking. Sometimes it's the sacrifice. And he calls others to go and do what needs to be done to bring that sacrificial uh, blood back to him. It's our hour to pray like we have never prayed before. Yeah, Romans chapter 8 down in there says, I let nothing separate me from the love of God. Because, see, if we're not praying, if we're not seeking him, how can he reward us? If we seek him, he said, if we seek him diligently, diligently seek him, he will reward us. And God don't reward with evil. He rewards with blessings, uncommon blessings, uncommon miracles, things you never had before that you desire. God bring that about. Some things you didn't even want, you didn't even know they existed, but God knew this would fit you and you would love this, and he bring this your way. But in this hour, I'm talking to the people of God. In this hour, we got to give God our everything. Time out for playing. And this stuff been here. Church folks working a work. Church folks working witchcraft and voodoo and black magic and white magic and all kind of all kind of stuff. They got these stores. When I was a girl, they had one uh, downtown Jacksonville. It was called Keystone Lucky. And when you walked in there, they had a peculiar smell. And I remember this girl asked me to go to this lady house one night. And take something to the lady. All the lights was on in the house. I'm knocking on the door. Nobody never come to the door. 
But when I get to the door, I remember that peculiar smell at the Keystone Lucky Store. I walked away from now back to my car. I said, oh, she might be in there working to work. And I don't want to interfere. I don't want to be partaker. I'm gone. And I left there. And I told my friend, I said, Cheryl, look here. I went over there, but I, I, I smelled some. I said, and nobody, all the lights was on. Nobody come to the door. Uh-uh. I'm not. Because, see, they know you, too. A lot of times they call them two-headed people. They call them the root worker. Look, they know you, too. Some people call them doc. Yeah, I'm going to see the doctor. But it's not a medical doctor. It's not a, a, a psychiatrist. It's a root-working, witchcraft-working doctor. Yeah. And so they go and see these people, and they know you. They know you. If you are filled with God's spirit, these people know you. And I believe that night she didn't come to the door because she couldn't sell me in that. Birds of a feather flock together. I've never been weak to certain things because of my teachings from childhood. Yeah. So if they know they can't get you involved in what, you know, they think you ought to be involved in, they go on. No, no point, because you don't believe. You won't do it. Yeah, I, I can't do nothing like that against people. My burning up. I hear people say, I'm dressing my house. What? 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 <laughs> if anything, I'm going to pray up in here and anoint it in prayer. And plead the blood of Jesus against anything that's coming here that shouldn't come. Yeah, I'm not going through all of that. Let me tell you something. If God have all power and he and Jesus stay are one, what other power do I need? I work with a woman. She says, see, I'm not like you. I get up every morning and put my mojo on. But she told me she was an evangelist. And I heard her speaking in something, but it wasn't the tongues of God. You see, I'm telling you that. I've experienced some things out here, and I'm looking sideways at her, and I say to myself, this is the last time, Lord. I got to go on because this right here is not me, and this is not the kind of people I hang out with. I don't deal with this kind of stuff. It's a rare occasion I use oil or water. And folks say it's contact, but I tell you what, when you pray and God moving direct from heaven, hot off the press right now, you may not have time to think of all our water. But I know those two things because he anointed my head with water. I, I mean with oil. He anointed my head with oil. Hallelujah, my cup runneth over. He lead me beside the still waters, you see. So I know he did with water and oil. But all this other, uh, and he told them to uh, put them books away. He said, incense stink in his nostril. So I, God is not a part of what he said for me not to do. He, if he said for me not to do it, he don't want me to become a part of it. I must let go, move out the way, get somewhere Yeah, in him, go to my prayer closet and talk. Yeah, I get better results. And especially if I'm talking from my heart. And especially if I love him and he know that I'm doing the very best that I can. <clears throat> he know that I let go 
I resist anything that's not of him. I embrace everything about him. But anything that's not him, I resist it. So he's going to move on my behalf. Hallelujah. But this is what's happening, too. We must make God real. He's real. I promise you. He's alive. He's well. He's got all power. He loves us. He won't withhold no good thing from us if we love him. Yeah, he he, he, he sent his son to die for everybody, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, he did. But we got to go to him in sincerity, make him come alive, make his word come alive. When I read the scripture, I believe it. Many days I'm reading, I can feel the spirit of the Lord because that's his word and it's true. Those who have been coming for years have heard me say many times, when I study the Bible, I'm right there. When Jesus was getting ready to do the loaves and the fish, I was right there. When John baptized him, I was right there. After Jesus got baptized and, and the light come upon it, look here, I was right there when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I was right there when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and come out to fast and the devil began to tempt him. I was right there looking. Yeah, when he went in there and they was out there with all the mourning, professional mourners because the little girls in the house supposed to have been dead. And they laughed. I, I was right there. <clears throat> when he went in, I went in with them. He selected who he wanted to go in with him because he needed some believers. See, as long as we can see it, as long as we can touch it and feel it, we'll believe it. But now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So wherever he went, I was right there. When he ran him out the temple over there, ran him out the house of God over there selling stuff, I was right there when he was turning the tables over. Sometimes it's like I'm sitting on a, a big high mounted and I'm just eating. Sometimes it's an apple. Sometimes it may be a banana, a plum, or whatever. But I'm nibbling, but I'm watching. I'm reading the word of God. And I take myself back to that time and in that time. And while he's doing it, I'm there. I see it. Why? It's real. And it's so real to me. Yeah. But we don't go there. Even when Samson was fooling around with the lilo there with the nonsense and the foolishness, I was right there. He went out and he killed all the lions and I was right there. When David was on the porch on the rooftop up there and saw Bathsheba, I was right there. When he sent Uriah back to die, I was right there. Yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Because to me, it's real. When Prophet Samuel talked to Saul, I was right there. When God knocked Saul off the horse on his way to Damascus and changed him into Paul later on, I was right there. When he went to see Ananias, I was right there. Hallelujah. Look it. <laughs> Believe him. Oh, but I'm reading this truth. Hallelujah. And that's what we got to do. We got to make God come alive. We depend on our flesh too much. I've often played the, 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 the clip 
trust in the Lord. He tell us we put too much trust in ourselves and in man. Before we call on God and seek him with our whole heart, we'll call somebody else. I'm going to call my pastor. Look here. Bishop Cardoz and Jackie Doe, them folks got enough on their plate. They busy. I said I know God. I have an experience of knowing him. I, I have testimony after testimony. Why would I call him and harass them? Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll take time with me, pray for me, and walk me through whatever I... But why go to the middle man when I can go straight to God? I got the mediator. I got Jesus Christ. But am I believing when I go to him that he's going to take my petition to Almighty God, the Father, and the Father going to not only hear my petition, but he's going to answer it? Is that my problem? Or am I afraid to take it to the mediator, Jesus Christ, because what I'm taking to him I only want him to fix it a certain way. I don't want him to fix it the way that it works best for me. I want him to fix it the way where it feels good to me. That won't work. It's not about a feeling. He won't just let you have a good feeling. He's going to work, fix it where it works together for your good for the rest of your life. Because once he fixes something, it can never be broken. Yeah. But a lot of times we don't want to carry stuff to him because we're not believing. I've even heard people say, well, oh, no, I didn't want to bother God with that. Bother him. Without him, you can do nothing. Without him, you can do nothing. <clears throat> and if you don't take your burden to the Lord, I don't know who, who else can fix it. Who else can fix it? You don't went to the supervisor, you went to the manager, you talked to the district manager, and you just can't get to the owner because he got them three people in place. So you don't talk to all three of them and the answer's still the same. Where are you going next? I would have started out with God. I would have started out before the throne of grace. And what I learned is to let go. If I really believe God, I let go. If I really believe God loved me, I let it go. Yeah. And keep moving. And doing what I can do. Sometimes I, I go help somebody until he fix my situation because he's going to fix it. He's not going to leave it broken. And I'm his and he's mine. He's not that kind of God. Sometimes it's the timing. And that's what we got to have with God, a lot of patience. Because he don't always move overnight because you want him to move overnight. He knows what's best for us. Sometimes it may take him years on certain things. But do we have the patience to wait on him? Can we wait on God? Can he depend on us to stay with him? Yeah. Can he depend on us to stay with him because... We won't stay. Uh-uh. It's taking him too long. I needed that yesterday. He ain't come yet. I needed that at 10 o'clock. Two minutes to 10, I got to get busy. Yeah, because we don't give God his, his, his just due, what he's really worth. We don't give that to him. Because we, we the kind that like signs and wonders. That's why folks run after the prophets. 
Well, they need some signs and wonders. They can't just walk in faith, have some patience and wait on God. I promise you won't die before he get here. You're not going nowhere before he get here. The people not coming in and take your house, your car, nothing you got. They're not going to fire you on their job. The John is not going to die. God know the perfect timing to move for us. And we need to know the perfect timing to go to, in that prayer closet and stay. Keep the prayer wheel turning. See, we take our mind off God and put it on the things in this world, and that way we fall. And, baby, as soon as you fall, that devil says, oh, yeah, I knew I'd get on Barbara one day. Yeah, look at her. She over there worried about them grandchildren. Yeah, she got her. Oh, look at that. She got her granddaughter and the granddaughter pregnant and ain't got no husband. Oh, that's going to take her under. No, it won't. <laughs> it won't take me under. It was her choice. She's full grown. She's well over 12. And if that's a choice you've made and you've been taught, then that's between you and God. Yeah. I heard Romans say, chapter 8 in there, says, I let nothing separate me from the love of God. I can't do it. And I can't leave him. I got to stay with him because I need him. I woke up this morning because of him. Not because I eat healthy, exercising. No, not because of any of that. I'm taking the right vitamins and minerals. No, no, no. I woke up this morning because of him. His grace and his mercy. Most of all, his love for me. He woke me up. Closed in the right mind. I can walk. I can talk. I can, yeah. Him. All him. I cannot take credit for nothing. So we just got to go back to him and make him real in our lives. Stop depending on yourself. Stop depending on them people. Yeah. The woman says, silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Yeah, she said she called on her best friend. She couldn't be found. But she called on Jesus. She realized this, a life he could hold. She just rather have Jesus, hallelujah, than silver and gold. And I am with her when she is right. Yeah. But many of us, we rather have the silver and gold than Jesus. And the proof is in the pudding because we chase after it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Brother Lord, Romans 8 and 39. Nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, sir. <laughs> ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Listen, I have this one request, and I'm going to it uh, this morning when we come back. The studio is open. If anyone has something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. We have time this morning.
more than just a radio. This is Jesus in the Morning Radio, spreading the good news of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Pastor Pinky this morning. And you find out that's that long version. <laughs> I like, sounds like that steel guitar was in there, Brother Lewis. Yeah, I like that one right there, a whole bunch of pasta. I like that one a whole bunch. I want to say good morning right quick. I see you, Sister Jerry. I want to say good morning to Sister Dorothy Goodman, Sister Mira Ann, Sister Rose Brown, Sister Melanie Rose. Uh, Sister Simone this morning, Sister Angela in California, my God baby, Sister Laura, Mr. Mason and Miss Deborah, Alexis, Michelle, Sister Andrea Spinner, all up in Florida today. <laughs> Sister Andrea Philadelphia, Sister Keisha, Sister Rita, Sister Sion, Sister Diane, Sister Angela Foote and Sister Anna Lee Foote this morning. God bless you. Sister Sylvia Joe Jones this morning, Sister Irene. Uh, Sister Kim Hart, Sister Michelle, Sister Patricia Fluka, Sister Lisa, Sister Yvonne, and our very own Pastor Claudia Bowright this morning. Good morning, sisters, and God bless each one of you. Good morning to you, the main man holding that chat room down right now, Brother Louie. Good morning, Brother Louie. God bless you. Good morning to you, Brother Anthony. I saw him a little earlier. He might be still down there. And I think I saw Sister Simone down there earlier, too. And uh, good morning to you, Brother Jermaine and Brother D and uh, Brother Mike Hobbs, Brother George West Perry this morning, Brother Lee Hamilton, Brother uh, Justin Gilmore, Brother Frank, Brother Marquez Griffin, Brother Cal, and Pastor David Jackson, my buddy. Good morning to you, brothers. God bless you. God bless you. Praying for you. Praying for you. Praying for the sisters. I pray for those who come to Jesus in the morning and Freedom Doors Ministries, Big Beautiful Christian Women Group, the You Group. Yeah, I pray for all of us because we need prayer. We need God to move, lead, and guide us in the right path for his name's sake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? I am well. Good morning. How are you? I am blessed, can't complain. Yes, we are blessed. I just want to say thank you. I, you know, I've been under the weather for a little bit, but uh, I think the storm is, is, I don't say a thing, I know the storm is over. Amen. Because I serve a God that says fight on, but I'll say the testimony for tomorrow. But I thank God for you. I thank God truly for you. Uh, I thank God for waking me up each day, even when I'm under the weather. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Thank you. Amen. I am am blessed. That's all I can say. I am blessed. Thank Mm -hmm. you for always praying and being there no matter when I call you there. It could be whatever time. I'm going through. You're there. And thank you, really. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, Jerry. God bless you. Oh, yes. God bless you, too. Yeah. It's already Mm -hmm. all right today. And uh, God knows what's best for us. All is well. All is well. God, thank you. Yes. I'm I'm sleeping better and everything. God bless you. Thank you. That's good. 
Amen. Brother Lewis say, hey, Sister Jerry, missed you. Oh, he just wants me to talk about that food, but I missed him too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't had any cupcakes, ice cream, but God told me. So, Sister Barbara, when you come tomorrow, I can have a glazed donut. Okay. I can, okay. Oh, but, you know, I, I, I won't. A lot of them, but he said maximum of two. I haven't had no sweet, so I can have a maximum of two. Okay. Well, look, I'm going to get to your two, uh, uh, Jerry, and you Uh better know I am not fooling around with no Krispy Kreme. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay. What do you suggest? Uh, get you Krispy Kreme. Yeah, oh, you can have. I thought, I thought you wanted me to get a whole box. The no, please don't do that. Because I won't eat a one. Oh. I know Calvary <laughs> enjoy them now. And know what? If you buy six now, they charge you for each individual donut. But you go get mm-hmm. the 12. Yeah, you know, you get a better deal on it. So yeah. I've seen the commercial. And Calvin does like donuts. He does like Krispy Kreme. Okay. I, I, I'm going to get half chocolate and half glaze Okay. the Krispy Kreme box okay. and that way. But then I got the whole restraint on myself because, you know, I got I know. I, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, okay. All right. As long as you got it under control and you're going to obey the Lord with what he said, Listen, we good. I have we nothing good. under control, only God. Only God, thank you, Jesus, God is under control. I have nothing, nothing. Okay. What what I'm saying is as long as you got your mind in a frame where I know God said only two. Only two. I I, I was looking at this movie and they, they, you know, it's like a bakery truck. And I saw those donuts. I said, oh, God, I want me donuts. Louis. He said, you can have two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and me, I will take her. He said, I ain't going nowhere near Krispy Kreme. I will take her, but Louis, but I'm not going to deal with no Krispy Kreme. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If the Lord thinks she can have two, go get her two and roll on. And it's all right in Jesus' name. Yeah, we good. Y'all yeah. pray for us. And it's already all right. It's already all he right. He said, too. I, well, I was looking at the movie. I said, oh, God, those donuts look like the old days. Because it's like an old movie. And the donuts mm-hmm. is all big and clay. Even Krispy Kreme donuts not like they used to be, but they're good. And I said, oh, yes, I want those type of donuts. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll, I'll have control. Now, I'm the you, footsteps of what God tell me. Yeah. Louis said, if I have one, it end up a dozen. And you better know it, Brother Louis. If I have one, I'm going to eat my fill of Krispy Kreme. That's why I'm I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to deal with it. No, not me. But you, you can get oh, it. I'm not going to even temptation you with it. I, no, I, I, I listen, listen, I promise. You will not be tempting me, Jerry. I'm good on that. I'm good because that I huh? know that that is entirely too much sugar for me, and it it'll run uh, my uh, blood. Uh, 
I, I know, because you kept on, Jerry. Did God tell you you can have the coconut pie yet? I was like, oh, God, I want it. Don't lie, don't lie. No, he ain't said nothing yet. And then you said, well, Jerry, because I was out of thought, you said, Jerry, how about me bringing you over a piece of cake? I said, no, don't do that. God ain't said nothing yet. Well, when you... <laughs> When you when you craving it, you're going to talk about it. And then you said you wanted the coconut pie for the birthday, sister. So that's why I was I bringing know, it over. I know, but God said no. He okay, said well, I, did, no. I he didn't tell me no. He told you no, so I didn't know. So that's why I asked you. But look, yeah, I got I know, move on. I know. But, but yeah. you didn't know. No, but I didn't. you did. asked, and you didn't know. And I, I didn't want to tell you because in case. He said, yes, I know you can whip it up in a minute. <laughs> but he said, no. Trials, okay. what? Some trials come to make you strong, that's what. Yeah, and this is a trial here. And so I know he said I can have two. That means I can have one chocolate and one glaze, and that's it. Okay. Well, now, right. Calvin, as I leave him in the kitchen, for some reason he wait till they get all hard. And then he put one in the microwave. He, I don't know. He, he I like okay. him right out the box fresh. Hey, I'm taking you to Krispy Kreme tomorrow to get what you get. And then we go going to do those other errands, and God bless you, and we tell him thank you. And it's all right yes, today sir. in Jesus' name. Yeah, I, I've learned on this journey I'm on, and I don't even know what if the man say. I'm in the wilderness. I'm walking around for 40 days and 40 nights. But I've learned something. When you trust and ask God, it's all right. You can call Sally, you can call Jane, you can call Paul, you can call Sam. You can text them and leave you messages. But they'll text you back with their problems. I'm like, oh, is she saying the caller? No, but I didn't call Barbara, and God said to me, wait. And see who calls or texts you. Don't call nobody else. He said, because remember, I'm here. So I just laid down and you, sent her song. Jerry, that's all you and needed. Then, all you, you needed was like God. Everything all right? I said, God, Bobby texts me. I, can I call her? He said, yes. She's reaching out to you. That was the one person you didn't call or text. She reached out to you. I said, okay. I was so nervous. I was so down. Every morning I got up, I had the shakes. But, Barbara, I really, really appreciate you being there for me and not even knowing the situation I was in. You made me feel better, and you made me feel like I could go on. I even call a new therapist, and I'm going in on the 23rd of August. Okay. And I thank God for you. I truly thank God for you. Amen. Amen. And again, again, it's already, listen to me, all right. It's It's not going to be. It's already. God has already done it. All you got to do is yes. just believe and trust him. Trust him. Anything trust you God. need, run to him. Nobody else. You ain't got to worry about these people who going to call me, who going to check on me. No. 
He never leaves us, and he will never forsake us. He will be with us until the end, but we got to stay with him. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. Listen, I'm going to pray out and go to the last song of the morning, and uh, we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If I'm not here, listen good. If I'm not here in the morning, we pray that the Lord bring me back Monday morning. Yeah. If I'm okay. not here tomorrow, we pray that he bring me back on Monday. But I'm praying mm-hmm. that I'll I come back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right. Let's pray, and then we go into our last song of the morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this day. Thank you for all that has been said and done. Father, you know what's best for us. I come this morning, Father, asking that you would fix our hearts. Lord, you know what's in there. Fix it, correct it, oh God, and regulate our minds in you, in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, we will show a sound mind. And, God, we will show your love and your power that you've given unto us this day in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, as we depart, Bless our going out. Bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, we ask it all this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves the cheerful giver. Have a good day, a blessed day, and I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, July the 28th, 2022, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we go into the last uh, song of the morning, and uh, after this one, I won't be coming back today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.